Welcome everybody, Good Life Housing Partners, episode 47, sitting here on August 4th, 2021 at the GLHP headquarters in downtown Los Angeles. And we are starting the month of August uh, fairly, I guess this is kind of slow. We generally, you know, August for us is generally a busy month on the student side as we do usually in the middle of turn and hopefully not leasing up because we've already pre-leased. But most of our assets, actually all of our student assets are pre-leased. We're not that involved with turn this year. And we're not, we've completed all of our deals. And so we're in like this uh, kind of slow period of August where we don't have that many deals that we're actively engaged on. We're looking at a bunch of stuff. We're not super duper busy travel schedules are fairly light right now and i think i don't know david where, where does this find you in august no i agree we're you know on the student housing side we're basically you know mo- doing move outs and move-ins um, in a few weeks when school starts and in between that is the turning of all the units and so that's kind of in some ways really on autopilot with our property managers we don't get yeah. that heavily involved in that slightly involved and it's really on the student side. I think we're c- kind of shaking the trees a little. Uh, well, we're shaking the trees a bit, trying to find some new deals and right. new opportunities. And you know, there's some assets we've heard and been forwarded to where groups might not have leased up or have leasing issues coming up. Schools last missed. Yeah, years. New, but not many. New deliveries. Not many. Yeah, it's very so, few actually. Um, but this this time period finds it well. I just came back from Las Vegas last week. Yes. So I went to our student deal. Yeah. And the same thing, you know, I, I witnessed move out and the students were moving out um, and, you know, they're gearing up uh, to do the turn. The painters were there and, you know, the rest of the crew. Um, but, you know, all, all was well. Vegas was a little unusual, I guess, in the sense of, you know, the weeks prior to this, and at least what I heard about Vegas, you know, you know, masks were off, everything, you know, COVID related was, was regressed. We're back to pre-pandemic times and the second night i was there apparently because they've had this huge spike in delta and things in las vegas um, i was surprised to hear that uh, there was a new mass mandate going in effect and so at midnight that night uh you know wherever you are anywhere indoor you'd have to put your don your mask back on that was saturday no that was thursday night thursday night when you were there yeah when i was there exactly yeah so and you were probably i I, I took off my mask when i got there other than in an uber and you know went out to restaurants and did meetings and things like that and you know walked around the casinos which casinos were not packed but you know wasn't empty by any means and uh and if anything uh by the you know minimum bets i saw at some of the blackjack tables there must be a fair amount of demand because they were fairly high (laughs) what was that what was the minimum what was like the uh we stopped by the win at at one point and we wanted to play some blackjack and the the Actually, we didn't find the table. The, the minimum was like a hundred dollars, and so which is that's a pretty high per hand per on hand. a Thursday. And, that's and a pretty Thursday, good minimum. You know, six. Not PM surprised. Kind of that's a yeah. good minimum. And it wasn't like every table was full, but there were people playing. And yeah, there were uh, actually there were a lot of people. I was surprised had enough money to the well, way they dressed you're to, starting it, to, you know, to pay pay that minimum. But a thousand, two thousand. Yeah, bucks. we we actually then sort of you know went down a level in casino quality and. Uh, Found the, the casino uh, Sahara. No, <laughs> the Sahara. <laughs> we went. Uh, I don't want to bash any casinos, but uh, a more kind of uh, flamingo, older type Vegas yeah. type casino that had a twenty five dollar. No, but it had a twenty five dollar <laughs> minimum. Okay. So, so which is still not cheap. 
No, um, I thought she doesn't. You know, actually, what's interesting on that $100 minimum, that was also the minimum on a roulette table. If oh, you wow. want to pick a single number, it's 100 bucks. It's 100 bucks, yeah. which is pretty high pretty for, high, for yeah. roulette, given how hard it is to. Oh, a single number is 100 a single bucks. Number. So if you wanted to pick, if you wanted to pick your lucky number 17, it's, it's going to hit. Bucks. You, you have to put 100 bucks down. Wow. You can't put five bucks, 10 bucks. Because usually they give you single pieces. Yeah, for and those, you can spread it out. And you put 100 on yeah, the red or yeah, black. Yeah, you have to do 100 minimum. Oh wow! So that was pretty That's pretty hefty. High. So, but you know, maybe it was just the win. The win is. Uh, I've never seen. I don't recall ever seeing that. That's insane. Well, they they say. I mean, speaking of the variant and everything, that Las Vegas has become like sort of the epicenter. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yes. Yes. No. That's where we, we were actually before we we went there. Actually, the, I was meeting our equity partner, and that was one of the issues. That one of the guys actually called me like, "Should we postpone this meeting or not?" And uh, we, in the end, we decided, no, let's just go. We, and we figured it would be safe. And yeah. our people were just overreacting about Delta. And, you know, and we're all vaccinated. And so we said, let's just go. Um, you know, Delta. we're not going to get in each other's face or anything. So it was fine. And, you know, I you know, went to a good dinner. Great steak at John George. Ah, and so, that's <laughs> an expensive steak, my friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's an expensive steak. Uh, that's interesting. Well, um, it's I guess one of the things that's happened in Vegas is you have this you know, convergence of young people, some of which aren't vaccinated. And then there's a lot of close quarters, like, and even like pool parties and things are, or nightclubs. And you have a very contagious variant of COVID. And yeah. so it's like a perfect cocktail to get like a lot of yeah. people infected. Well, well, I was surprised when I first landed and, and uh, you know, I, I totally saw, you know, I saw all the neon and there were all these advertisements about, and they made all these specific commercials to kind of you know create the message of you know Vegas is back you know they had the huge Cirque du Soleil commercial with all the shows and you know the intermission is over you know and then they showed all the Come pool parties back. you know and and all the famous you know DJs and and, and and rappers were coming for concerts and Steve Aoki and all these guys and so you know when I was there I was thinking oh you know Vegas is back they got all these <laughs> people coming back everything's opening up and you know clubs buffets everything and so that's why I was surprised to learn later that evening about oh there's this new mask mandate coming in and, and yeah. I, a well, lot of people really were upset by it too um, and then all the obviously all the comp the casinos because they have to obey because of the casino casino commission they all their employees have have mandatory have to wear masks and so but they were wearing anyways weren't they no no uh, they they didn't have to for for a time period they started a few weeks ago the casino yeah because I was there in now, July and they, they weren't were checking any thought. employees and. I, I remember a few months back, they used to have all the plexiglass. And, yeah, and, and that's they also, gone. That's gone. Yeah. And I don't think that's, ever, that's probably not going to come back. Yeah. And they, they used to also have temperature checks. And I remember Venetian had, you know, almost like an airport scanner type device. That, right. That would scan you that as you walked in. That scan you, yeah, as you walked in. And, 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 uh, and if you actually registered kind of high, they, they had, the security would then stop you and ask to do a digital thermometer scan on you. And so they got definitely don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's all gone. So that's why I thought, ooh. Well, I think like what's interesting about this variant is like, if you look kind of like where it's obviously start India and those cases were like, you know, completely crazy for a while. And, and you had just, and then it sort of just faded and it didn't fade because like there's all these vaccines in India. I mean, India is a population of 1.5 three or four billion, it's not like they, I think they're just getting to one or 2% of the population vaccinated. So it's not like a ton of vaccination, it basically just somehow went through the population and then it sort of just started tapering off. Some people say that they're not testing as much, but 
I've heard that it just kind of tapered off. People just somehow built some immunity to it, and then it sort of went away. Then it shot up in like London or England, really. And the same thing is happening, like where England was up at like 50, 60,000 per day on a population of 50 million. So it's a pretty good number, especially when they were down pretty far. And now again, England's like tapering off. And so you look at today, the, the US was like barely getting to 10, 12,000 cases in like before the variants started moving. That was like June. And now we're at 100,000, 110,000 cases a day. And so I don't know, I was telling somebody like, like there is some things that the variant of this Delta variant is very like different. It's like really contagious because I know people have gotten it now. Some have been, been vaccinated. So like and that, you know, I've, I've heard different things like some people have gotten it. It's like, well, they're vaccinated, but, you know, I don't know how accustomed to getting things they are, pain tolerance or things of that nature. And then I've also heard that it's just like a very mild cold if you're vaccinated. Like it's pretty mild and you just kind of like kind of hunker down for a few days yeah I've, I've heard that also that there's still a lot we don't know that what you're saying is true too like that it's it's a huge spike it's very easily transmittable yeah and it spreads to a lot of people yeah but then it kind of slowly and they don't know why it's still just like there's a lot about the yeah there's a new york times article the, the, the new york times article yeah the, where they said they just don't know why it then kind of peters out yeah and so um it is causing a little bit of um Confusion. Uh, well, it's causing fear. Fear, and and, and and to be honest, like I think I think this is a good segue into our eviction thing. Is like I I don't know that like you know obviously we saw the moratorium supposedly end this weekend. It was supposed to end July thirty first. That was Saturday, and then now again it's sort of has come back, and I think a lot of it, the reasoning of it coming back, and this is why I bring up the variant is like people are getting afraid. And the fear is like, oh, you're going to kick people out of their homes. They're going to be living on the streets. And these viruses are going to get more transmittable on the streets because I don't know what's going to happen on the streets. But but that's the idea, right? Like, that's part of what the thinking is that you have this now. That, you know, do we have this? I've heard so many people say you have this raging pandemic, this raging pandemic. And I'm like, I thought last year when you were at two, three hundred thousand cases, I guess maybe that was raging. But now, like. 50, 60, 70% of this population has gotten a vaccination or has had COVID or has probably had more than, more than that has even had both. Like if you combine the numbers, I don't know what's raging anymore. Like at what point are we like, yeah, this is sort of going to be here for a while. We're going to have to deal with this. Like it's not like, oh, we're just going to get to zero one day. Yeah. I mean, definitely the, the what you talked about, the huge spike, how we were, it gone down significant now. So it's 100,000 yeah. cases, cases. And I think that's that. Uh, quick spiking that's creating the fear right you know because then again it's about the, the fear of the unknown and what's going to ha- what's, what's going to happen you know it's amazing too when you think about you talk about eviction moratorium uh, what has it been uh, three day, uh, 31st was Sunday oh, no, yeah. no, was 31st was Saturday Saturday and so from Thursday to Saturday because I was watching it obviously because we're yeah, in the real estate industry yeah. it affects there, us there were, there were so many sort of back and forth twists and turns because originally it was it's going to expire it, we were hoping it was expire but then the, the president and, the, and certain and they're working around the made, clock working around the clock and they made yeah. and then they made a request okay Congress you take it up yeah. we want you to extend it CDC want to extend it and then we heard that failed and then by Friday the weekend okay I thought, okay, I think I think it's over. Yeah. But then you heard a lot of people complaining. Why didn't the government do anything? Why didn't and the people on they? vacation, yeah, they're people vacation, vacation in August, and this is going to create the the you know the eviction storm, uh, you know tsunami. And then you fast forward to like Monday, Tuesday. Then you heard rumors of, wait, 
president, the administration is thinking about something else. And then I guess it was yesterday or yeah, yesterday when um, Biden announced, I guess the CDC actually officially issued a, a temporary extension, which from a legal standpoint is actually fascinating a little bit, or at least it is for me as ex-lawyer <laughs> intellectually, you know, because the Supreme Court had already ruled that they didn't have the power to extend it. So somehow, but they issued an order. Right. So now, so now it's like confusing what, what happens now. And so, but clearly they've now tried to extend it. Now they, now t- technically they, they've extended it. Who knows if it's valid till October 3rd, but they've tried to couch it a little, uh, to try to be creative or, or, or slick. And they, it's only supposed to apply in, you know, in high and areas with high, highly substantial rates of COVID infection, which is a very subjective kind of area. And you look at the map of the CDC, that, that pretty much covers like, most of the U.S. Yeah. And so it's, 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 you know, just drawn more confusion. And, and I think if anything in this COVID pandemic, one of the biggest challenges and problems we've had is really just communication. Yeah. especially for the health officials. Or I don't even think it's, I mean, I think you're generous in saying it's communication. I think it's actually just like, there is a contingent of mostly politicians and some media. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying to go as far as like they're in cahoots, but there is like a, a group of folks that w- just gain substantially out of controlling the public or controlling their, their districts or their constituents by spreading the COVID fear or the COVID, like this is going to be terrible and this is all going to happen. Like, cause I, I, I tell you, like there's this number that there's like somewhere between 15 and 18% of us renters have some sort of issue that they need this eviction moratorium to stay. And I call literally a dozen different people that I know that have substantial portfolios in us, in, in these cities that are like COVID where the, you know, COVID is, is going high. And, I've, I met, I talked to one person with one asset that had something above a 10. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like a few percentage points. Now, mind you, these are mostly people that have B and A assets, maybe some C, but there was, they literally did not, people are not even double digits. Yeah. Well, so like, our, assets so then I, then I heard like one that. person was like, well, you know, that's, that's true. But I've heard like in Alabama and Mississippi, like those are much higher because those are much poorer states. So I'm like, well, if you need, if most of the assets that are like, you know, are actually in these states that we are all own assets, and those are threes and fours and fives, then you need like Mississippi to basically be like 25 or 30 to get to the 15, right? So I was like, well, what, like, are you telling me like most of Mississippi is not paying rent? Like that's a pretty red state. Like, I don't even know if they have a moratorium there anymore. I don't even know what the deal is. So like, how is any of that true? Like, I think it's just fake numbers to like propel like basically some politician to gain a little more favor. Well, I think when you really start thinking about it, you you'll start to be like, "This makes no sense." Well, I think one narrative or explanation, at least one one of the things I I saw, is an interesting article where they challenged, you know, whether you'll we're going to have this eviction, you know, tsunami, and when you kind of this researcher looked around and looked at all the arguments and people writing papers and articles and things saying that all these evictions will happen. A lot of it is based on this sort of strange census, something called the Census Household Survey, which it only it was a small survey. It only has 70,000 respondents. But the, what they extrapolated, and, and, and I'm not a statistical kind of survey guy either, but, but the bottom line basically is, is that it's, it's, a, it's a very small sampling and there's just a lot of statistical biases in the way they they. Uh, but it's a survey, it. and it's a survey. It's yeah. not even like real data. Yeah. It's not if real data. Like if, so, if, so they're not really basing it on real data. If NMHC or 
the state of California, if anybody's like, hey, could we get your CDC declaration numbers? You can have anything you want. I'll give you all the numbers. Yeah. I will print. I will make a nice report for you. Here you go. Yeah. And, and I, I bet you we could get every owner yeah. we know. And, which when, is like, and, and when you use that data, which yeah. is real data for real owners and from big trade organizations like NMHC, which is National Multifamily Housing Council, um, then the picture changes. It's not this. this it's not number. this eighteen fifteen. It's not this crazy number. number that people are having. Yeah. But what's interesting with this article I mean, also think, yeah, go ahead. No, I just want to finish about, about you're saying a narrative because of fear and control. I don't know if it's a control thing. Because that's maybe I'm a little maybe not. I don't know. That's a little I, more uh, Machiavellian. They're saying what it really is, where you do have evictions and we have issues, but the real issue is the undersupply of affordable housing. Is that if there is evictions, it's really issues dealing with people not being able to afford the, the housing, and which is we've always had this problem. We've always known we need yeah, more that's affordable the, housing, that's been a and, and yeah. it's just been exacerbated by this pandemic. And now sure. it's in some ways the suggestion is that the advocates of trying to do this. Eviction moratoriums are really trying to, you know, deal with solve affordable housing problems with this uh, by keeping people in their houses, and so, and so and th that's obviously the wrong. I, I guess I'm actually housing it. I'm not saying I think some of it's power. I think also some of it is a really easy way to garner support and win future elections. It's just I think that is like a super easy way for a politician in a state like or a city like Los Angeles to say, you know what, we don't need this this moratorium till September 31st. We need it till December 31st, and there's no end to it. And the reality is like, yeah, I can be like, well, I'm gonna vote with my checkbook. I'm not giving you any money. Yeah. But yeah. if you can get 50 people in a apartment building to actually vote, which good luck with all that. But if you actually get that, that's far more valuable than the thousand dollars I can give. True. I mean, it's a great soundbite, and obviously it, it appeals to. You feel sympathy to people, you know, at least the image that they've created yeah. out there that there's all these people who will be just turned homeless. I was so then, surprised. I mean, I heard like people that I think are really sharp talk, talk about that number and not like even wince at like if really 18% of our, let's just say our portfolio, there was CDC declaration on. Mm -hmm. Let's just say it was 12. Mm -hmm. We would not be even recording this podcast. Yeah. We, we would be like, we would be issues. like, oh my God, we have a significant problem where literally a couple hundred tenants are not paying rent and have no plans to do so. Like we, have we can't get rid of that. We have to figure out. We have to, to call banks right now. Yeah. We have to call lenders. We have to call Fannie Mae. We would be like, th this podcast would not be happening. Yeah. But like, people are like, oh yeah, must be that's that's just normal. Yeah. I mean, I, what type of profit margin do you think we operate on? Yeah. Like, like, like we can well, just like, it, yeah, there's these. It's like the gaps. Like, oh yeah, we just like. 12% of our inventory was stolen, yeah. but we're still fine. Yeah. Well, no, and, and, and going back to the point about it's a great political soundbite, it's very appealing to, to certain voters. If you really want to deal with evictions, the, the simple way is not an eviction moratorium. It's really to deal with what you're talking about, calling our lenders, because the lenders are all regulated. Yeah. That's actually influenceable by government, and government should really do some things, for example, like, you know, ad address the, you know, because banks and other groups, they have loss requirements and, and bad loans and things they have to do and, that, and ratios they have to maintain for their regulators so that they're not over leveraged or have quote unquote bad loans. And so if you wanted to put a pause on that, you know, bank, you know, banks would happily do that if, if, the, if the government regulators allowed them to do that, but they don't. So the banks, you know, in some ways it's hard. They're, they're walking. I think that's really interesting, to, to but I think the other side of it is like, it would look like Kind of like back in 08 with the banks got no, bailed out. No, no, I know. Out. So it goes back to so, sound bites and, 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 and impressions people yeah. get and, and people kind of twisting. But but I'm just saying, because for us, just let's just talk about your hypothetical. Like if we had 12% or 15%, 
we would be calling our banks because the impact to us would be obviously our operations and our cash flow, and we'd have to call our banks because we have bank obligations. Well, that you David, if you pay. think about it, like when we were in in the in the you know, beginning of the pandemic in like April, May, and we were like you know backpedaling and like playing defense. We called all the banks, and we're like, we don't know where things are going, but we're here. We're managing the best we can. We're doing these creative programs. We're trying to get people to pay rent, and we had no idea who's going to pay in May. We had no idea who's going to pay in June. We thought every next month would be the fallout. Yeah. We're like, remember? I remember we were like sitting there in March. And we're like, okay, we got through April. We're like, okay, there was no fallout. We're like, okay, May's going to suck, dude. Like, it's really coming to hit. The, the cases are exploding. It's going to suck. And then we're like, okay, now June is going to suck because now it's spreading. And it didn't end up sucking. I mean, we but we called every lender. Yeah. Yeah, because because again, like if if we don't have to worry about the lender, again, yeah. obviously you don't want you don't want this, 20, problem, 20, we have this problem. You don't want twelve percent of your tenants not paying. But if you had to just suck it up and take it, that's okay. If you didn't have this big bank looking yeah. over your shoulder that you'd have to pay, and so that's that's where I think the but re, but the I guess I guess to your point, is, like none of the private banks. Yeah. Like we were like just like why don't you just let us do some interest only payments and w w you know w at least just give to us build an a reserve to that was our basic just day. just let us do interest only for like three four months and let us like collect build a reserve because we don't know where this is ending and we, I, I know I talked to other guys too in the same position they were like let's just do interest only let's just keep the payments light let us keep building some reserves so that when when things collapse a little further we're gonna have a problem the only thing that the only group that did it was Fannie yeah. and that's the government back government back <laughs> right. So everyone else was like, uh, no, we'll wait till you have a real problem. Yeah. Well, and the, and the, <laughs> and private, so, and the private banks is because cause they're going to get regulated. They're going to get dinged. Good. They don't yeah. want to get dinged. Well, they have and to so, put us on the list, yeah. and then we have to get regulated. And, they, and, and they, they have to deal with, explain to their regulator yeah. how many, why do you have so many of these loans on this list? Well, we so become far. bad loans. Yeah. Right? And so so that, so anyway, the, so I think this eviction return, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's window dressing kind of solution. It's, it's good totally for, window dressing. good for sound bites and things. The other, uh, the other well, there, there's one last there. point to. I think the other side of it is, is because the apartment industry and, and just real estate in general, though there are some gigantic players in it, it's a very splintered industry, and it's hard to get like a bunch of like real estate people to like band together and say, okay, like we're not standing with this anymore. But it's a lot easier to get like, you know, a. a band of tenants together in a city and say, let's go and march and like, that's a really powerful thing. Like, you know, like the rent's too damn high or whatever it is, whatever yeah. like well, the, which goes back the, to the rally cry issue, yeah. is, is like, that's a lot easier and a lot better for, for news and CNN and for yeah. local politics. Yeah. A lot of I mean, the, the other thing too, and this is actually a real problem too, the, on the eviction moratorium, the, the other explanation, at least uh, the people who push for it, is arguing that you know there's 46 and a half billion dollars that was approved and funded by the federal government in December yeah. for rental assistance, and only three billion of that money has been distributed by the state and local governments. And they're saying they need this extension because hey, hey we we need to you know give some time to finally work out the kinks. Although it's been a good couple of months. But now. see, I don't know what like I guess I that sounds good. But why would that just go away with the moratorium? Like, it's going to be there. You're still yeah. going to be trying to get the capital well, the, out. Well, well, the focus should really be on, instead of this moratorium, why isn't this money getting out? Yeah. What is, what is really well, happening? And, and I mean, you and I both know that accountability like, where should be held too. The, the, as there's more government and as the cities are bigger, and there's just less money getting out. Like, in those cities, it's almost nothing. Yeah. Like, L.A. is like nothing. But it's, but it's also, well, I mean, I, and I get it. There's just it's just it's always boggles because we're in the private sector that there's such 
inefficiency and problems in government to yeah. to work to function. If you even think about California, even with um, all those uh, PPL and the and the other loans, was it there's a EDD mm-hmm. agency and there's like what is it over a billion dollars of fraud that they that yeah. they funded, and so it just bothers me when I think about like how can government just operate like that that bureaucracy and just make that many mistakes and I guess now they're over paranoid they're paranoid and don't want to do that to this 46 billion dollars billion dollars yeah. but now but you're doing it at the cost of like you're not getting any enough money out because but then you look at other states so, three billion is so small but you look at other cities like others, there is like such a wide disparity on like a city like Fort Worth where we've gotten substantial rent assistance checks yeah. for 10 7 paid and like LA where it's like literally zero yeah. and there's no sign in sight of when that yeah. money's coming out, if ever. Yeah, but that's where it's strange, and, and maybe the media has a role in this. Why why aren't we focusing on like what's going on with that? Well, that's not like a great LA. story. There's like <laughs> there's no poor mother crying there with a you know I'm a single mother with two kids and I like can't pay my rent and that's not like really that's not gonna get eyeballs. So <laughs> they, like poor David and sure, we were on sure. sitting here trying to record a podcast crying about like a rental assistance check. That's not exciting. That's like that's true. Right. That's true. <laughs> that's, a, that's a byline. Um, but. So now taking a step further, so obviously this whole Delta thing and the eviction moratorium's impacting so it's now starting to impact a little bit on the, uh, you know, everyone was thinking September, you know, 5th, whatever, Labor Day, yeah, everyone's back to the office. And now, you know, at least in the tech industry, now people are starting to take a step back, you know, two steps forward, a step back. You know, I saw articles, I guess, you know, Twitter, who who was planning to reopen, oh, excuse me, had reopened their offices in New York City and San Francisco and had now closed them. <laughs> And so they're just p- pushing off reopening indefinitely. You know, Apple was supposed to come back September 1 with all their employees. Now they're pushing it out to October. Uh, Google has now extended its, its, its uh, you know, s- remote work policy until mid- mid-October. But and all of these are also putting in vaccination policies. Yeah, they're all putting in vaccination. So, so, so I guess Which maybe they're gearing up for, for, to bring them back when they uh, are vaccinated. And then some software makers, Roblox, and Asana. Who started some, that, by the way? They're, they're, they're all like waiting till 2020. They're all waiting, but who started? What's interesting is like, it was like, there was like, people were talking about vaccination and showing proof. And then I think it was Google or who started this? On the company but side? There was a company that was like, we're not letting anyone back until you show me proof of vaccination. Well, the companies, well, excuse me, the, the state government started it. Like no, LA, no, no the, New York sort of started it. New York started it. it. They sort of started it, but no, even before California that, did it too, I feel like it was Google or Apple. One of these groups was like, we have a vaccination policy. I mean, I actually think, you know who sort of started it? was the NFL. Hmm. Like, the NFL was like, know. if you are not vaccinated, and your team gets a COVID outbreak, you guys lose a game, and everyone losing the salary. That's right. That's right. Actually, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, probably, and I think that was that was like the that was the moment. Like I think actually in some ways that was because I had heard that 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 number of vaccinated players was like well below fifty, and now that number's well above eighty five ninety. Well, that, like had that real, thing real, shifted in like 30 days. Yeah. Well, that thing, and that had real economic consequences too. But not only did you forfeit a game, yeah, and, the, and then if it's your fault, you know, the players won't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that has a huge trickle. Huge trickle down. You only get 17 checks. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, dude, like, you know, if you're yeah, Tom Brady, you don't get one, yeah, one million dollar check. Fine. All right, you can kind of live, but you're like, dude, I only, I only have like three chances to get a Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. I was like, I think that was the moment where like, these NFL owners were like, dude, that, that TV product was so bad last year where they were playing some weird games yeah. on Tuesdays, and, like, it sucked. But I, but I think, I think like, 
Morgan Stanley or some of the other eye banks also did that too. But I th- I think you're right, but I I think that like that happened. I think it was starting to happen, and then the NFL is such an everyman's type of deal yeah. that they're like, well, because they're doing it, everyone can do yeah. it now. I mean, it's definitely picked up, and I I you know predict it's 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 going to happen because oh, like, yeah. all the employers are going to do it now. And they're even saying, you know, uh, I saw something today too. They think they're going to approve Pfizer's. You know, permanently approve Pfizer's vaccine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by Labor Day. By Labor Day, yeah, the and FDA so, approval, and, that, and that's sort of the last hurdle for a lot of companies that they, they can. Well, there's one other shield. To see, there's one other blind required. spot in this is that, so right now, there's all these. So, so it's perfectly fine. We could be like, GLHP is a vaccinated workplace, and like you guys all go get vaccinated, no problem, right? The the blind spot still in this a little bit is that there's still no way of actually proving beyond just a card that you actually got vaccinated. And I think eventually there's going to be something that's going to give there. Like, what do you mean that people actually requires... truly got vaccinated? Oh, cause that's the blind. That's the one oh, blind spot left. People can forge the cards yeah. in some way. Yeah. Hmm. That's the blind spot still. Yeah. But I do think that is the, that to me, at least the way we we're going well, well, you had so many, you had the vaccine lotteries and yeah. we talked about, but I do think this is the final oh, step yeah. of getting people vaccinated when employers, private businesses yeah. require it. And then, and, and or you make it, uh, you have a lot less privileges or benefits. Oh, yeah. Life sucks. Uh, inconvenient. Yeah. If you're not vaccinated. Yeah. Like, you that's, can't that's get into game. that movie theater. You watch a movie or you can't get into that. It's restaurant. in New York. Yeah, you like can't, New York, you yeah. can't get into restaurants and bars now <laughs> without proving <laughs> vaccinated. So if you want to go out to the restaurants and bars, you're. Yeah. There was like this little trickle of like <laughs> LFU, LA bars. Like you had to be vaccinated. But then it's just like this whole city was like, well, you got to be vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there's still there's I think what's going to happen is there's going to be like one of these companies like Apple or Google, probably because they hold all this iOS stuff. They hold all the operating systems will create something on your phone that will like actually digitize your vaccination. And then it'll get it'll be just like a driver's license. And you'll well, have there is California does have. Something. They have it, but it's still, it's I, not I, like, you I don't know. know. Well, I haven't, I actually I got know. it because I, I got an email about it. So I just saw like, hey, yeah. there's a QR code and I le- downloaded it to my Apple wallet. It's still very much like not had to use it a, a, a policy of, of like an honor system. Yeah. And there's a, there's a moment that's going to happen soon where it's going to get away from that. Yeah. Not yeah, a bad the honor, way. The honor system's never going to work. So, so yeah. unfortunately. Well, you've seen vaccination rise though. You've yeah. really seen it rise. But I think, like you said, I think it's a combination of companies and it's a combination of lifestyle, making lifestyle, making it extremely yeah. inconvenient, extremely inconvenient. Um, well, I think we had an interesting question this week from our newest podcast uh, producer, uh, Thomas, was how would you invite how would you advise a new person into real estate with, let's just say, five thousand dollars to get involved? A small investor. A small investor. I don't know. I, I think it's it's a bit. Well, first, what do they want to invest in in real estate? If you yeah. want to invest in do things kind of like what we do a Good Life, yeah, that's probably too small. Unless, yeah. Unless we're doing a crowdfunding, there are crowdfunding vehicles out. Well, there I think now. I think actually where they'll take small money. Yeah, I think size that money it's, like that. it really takes the first the question before that one, which is the right next one, is like. Are you trying to do an investment where you're controlling the investment? Or are you trying to do an investment where you just want to put the money like a stock and just forget about it? 
So it depends how much control and of the outcome you want to have. If you want control of the outcome, $5,000 is not going to get you very far. Um, you'd have to almost like go get more capital from other people and then pool it together and then go buy something. And that's a whole other level of risk and costs and yeah. things in that nature that, that get pretty challenging yeah. pretty quick. And it's tough just obviously saying it very bluntly and clearly, you have $5,000. If you, you know, what are you going to buy for $5,000 in, right. in terms of real estate? Right. What would you buy? Because Well, in a coastal city. Yeah. In a coastal city, I don't know what you can buy for $5,000 really. So you'd, you'd have to pool money. If you yeah. wanted to buy something where you don't have control, like that's where maybe crowdfunding or even if you want to buy REIT stocks, you know, something like that that's tradable, like regular ca uh, stocks, then you have that option. You okay. know what I would do actually? I, I would, if I had like five ten thousand $10,000 and I was just getting started and I was like, I want to do this, but I want to control my investment and my whatever my outcome is, I would probably get I would probably get out of like a city, like a big city where the, like the cost floor is so high to just get started. And I would look for a city that's like on the rise. So it's not going to be like all fancy like Los Angeles or you're going to go like Tulsa or something like that. You know, some smaller city and you just got to work harder than the people there and figure out like, how do I buy a $45,000 house? And you still need somebody else to help you. But you would be you would do the heavy lifting of I'm gonna find that forty five thousand dollar house that should be like sixty five thousand, yeah. And you could probably pull that off. Yeah, I mean even like I, I've seen stories that, you know ten years ago now. Yeah. But like you maybe buy something in Texas. Yeah. You know, like a secondary market. Secondary Texas. market. Yeah. yeah. You can you, that yeah. that that price range is where you can do something with those dollars and have control. Like I would just get like laser focused into like a secondary market in a state where I could start affording some of the stuff there. If I was not going to take on partners and do all this type of stuff, I would do that. And I would, and, I, and then and secondly, what I would do is I've seen this now. I don't know how to do it myself, but I have seen people get like really active on, on social media, like especially Twitter, probably because I use that out of all the social stuff the most and like communicate with people that are like in my position that could say, okay, yeah, I can help you find something or I can fund you, but you've got to, you've got to do all the legwork. But I'm not like I'm not there. I can't. I don't know. I don't know how to buy something in like Western Boise or something. I don't know what. I don't know that market. I don't want to know it. Yeah. And, and real I've estate, seen people actually do things like that. Yeah. And and if you want control again, real estate's a local based business. Very so local. You have to know that local market or have someone there. Yeah. I would. I would create a thesis around. I would. That's what I would do. I would actually say I'm going to go to this market. I think that it's really on the rise for some reason, and I would just get super in the weeds on it. And I don't know where that would lead, but that's what I would do. So, uh, so let's talk numbers. Let's do week. items of the week. Do you you have a number? Uh, my number is ten uh, percent, which is hmm. uh, the increase in pricing on from according to Ticketmaster on ticketing events, which is from when? Huh? From when? Ticket ten percent from earlier this Fr year? From pre-pandemic. Oh wow! From, from, and which you know I'm surprised that's a, that's a big has, increase. It's gone up. Um, in related, I actually went to another baseball game ah. last, last night. You're really getting and your baseball edge in these my days, baseball huh? <laughs> And yeah, Dodgers against Houston Astros. Good game. And I have to say, I was I was surprised. It, it, I don't think it was full capacity, but the number I, I saw it on the screen it was fifty two thousand six hundred and forty two uh, people were in that <laughs> or ticket holders purchased in that stadium. And so, and it looked pretty. It was pretty full, and it was pretty raucous because I because the because the whole uh, Houston scandal and cheating and 
And so those Dodger fans were out for blood, and there was a lot of, you know, there was even, I think we talked earlier, someone actually drew a garbage can from the upper deck onto the field, and, and you know, a lot of baseballs, that foul balls were being returned that the Houston but that, That's hit. interesting on the so. 10%, because, like, I remember, and I've seen this, that, like, most of the sporting events, which are a lot of, like, the Ticketmaster events, they, had, they basically said they were going to keep pricing flat this year. Or I've seen now where, like, not Dodgers, but I've seen other teams where they're actually like doing more discounting. Like you can do like they have a Friday flash sale and things like they're doing more discounting. So what the, what that means is like if those are discounting, that's actually pricing is going downwards. Mm-hmm. That means the other events, probably the non-sporting and non-regular reoccurring events are actually going up. Yeah. Which I, means like. Well, I think it's also a reflection of now that we're demand. demand and peop- now that we're open, people want to go out and do stuff stuff. it's been a year but there's also less stuff I think yeah there's There's not nearly as much and so the stuff that's non-reoccurring with like you know whatever um, uh, with some rappers in town for like two days that ticket that was $60 and now probably like more like 72 yeah the other interesting thing was that I noticed that Dodger Stadium it was a little more experiential in the sense that there were a lot of just little props and things you could a million thing more things that you could take photos with. Mm. So, you know, you could do selfies and, you know, they had like this huge, you know, World Series ring that was like, you know, the size of me, basically, <laughs> you know, oh, wow, you cool. stand next to it. It had all sorts of things like that. And then there was a little Dodger Blue Heaven town in the back because I, I wound up winding, walking out back that way. And I realized like, oh, look at all these things they have here now. And so it's definitely more kind of kid and, and family friendly for, you know, for your friends to do photo ops and just just do more things than just the game yeah so um what's your number my number was uh 250 million which which is a very big big number number. and you're it's going to get even bigger because that was the bail amount set for one tom barrack the bail amount yeah for one guy (laughs) to stay out of jail tom barack of of colony once of colony capital that was his bail amount set by some judge which you know, I, I and he paid it. He, he and he paid it. He put, put it, he put to it together somehow. Which, which real estate guys don't have that much liquidity, generally speaking. Yeah. But he's a billionaire, and he must have you know done something. But um, and I was just shocked that like because he's not. I mean, he's not some. He's not a celebrity, but he sort of is. Like people know who he is. Yeah. He couldn't just like. Well, his good friend Donald Trump. And he's, yeah, he's a Trumpy. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, he just couldn't disappear that easily unless unless Bezos lent him one of his rockets or something. Like he just. Be, That's true. It would be hard for like, him to <laughs> escape the arm of the law, really. Yeah, I mean, he could get <laughs> a jet go. and go somewhere, but he's kind of a but, known yeah, figure would, to some degree. would recognize and him. He's kind of recognizable, too. So, but I was the 250 was like one of the highest I'd ever, at least publicly, seen. Yeah. But we I looked would, into it. There's some bigger ones, but 250 was a big number. Yeah, I would expect, given what he was accused of, I thought it would be bailed more like 10, 10 20, 20 yeah. I was kind of shocked, too. Yeah, he could get a plane. He could leave. <laughs> like, he could... You could do some things, but you know, two fifty is a—it's a pretty heavy number. Um, no, I don't know. I, I would be interested in how they got to that number. Uh, I, I have a, one content, so I'm, I'm continuing White Lotus. Bree and I are both watching that. Uh, Bree's less impressed than I am, but that's a different story. Um, and I'm also watching All American, which is on its third season, which is basically like a. Friday Night Lights in Los Angeles. And oh, is that the Beverly Hills? That's the Beverly Hills. Oh, I saw Crenshaw. a commercial for that. I thought about watching yeah. that, actually. Yeah, well, it's good. It's not bad. And, and the first two seasons are fine. And I was like, so I was like, well, let me start watching the third season. And I'm, I'm like through three, four episodes. And I'm like, how many of these episodes are there? 
And I like I started looking at it, I'm like, oh my god, there's 19 episodes of this damn thing, and they're all 45 minutes. And I'm like, but now I'm into it a little bit, so I'm like, that's a lot of it's a lot of a lot of content to watch, man. And so I'm like, I'm definitely like starting to fast forward, and then I've been doing this thing where I like start watching it on like one and a half speed, because <laughs> I'm like, dude, I got I'm gonna get get through this whole Wait, thing. Wait, this is only there's only one season of it. No, this is third season. But third the season, other okay. seasons were like eight episodes or something. Okay, and then this okay. was like the mega ending Cause, cause, season cause or something. Because when I saw, to be honest, I, I saw the, you know, Netflix has this thing. They yeah, yeah, yeah. playing yeah. some stuff while yeah. you're looking through the titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw it and I was, and I thought, oh, that actually looked kind of interesting. Oh, it's interesting. But I thought it was just a one season kind of show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so on the WB. Where, it started it's, there. That's where, okay, that's where I started. I thought maybe it was, I didn't know if it was a Netflix. <laughs> it was a WB. So then I was. Yeah. So that's. It's a very, like, if you're from LA and your kids went to school in LA, like, there's some things that are funny and interesting about it. Like, you know, it's like a lot of cliche, like Beverly Hills High School versus Crenshaw High School. Yeah, you, I don't know. It's interesting. No, that, yeah, no, I it's thought thing, it was interesting. It's very, like, high school drama you know, Everyone's, like, 35 years old in it, but yeah. it's fine. Yeah, well, I, confess, like 28, I, I, I confess, actually, I wound up watching instead a uh, movie, which kind of cheesy, can't be. It was called The Losers. Okay. It was Zoe Saldana. And so... I was going to watch that. That also it popped It was kind up. of a... And I guess it was actually a comic adaptation of... of it wasn't Marvel, but it was a comic about a bunch of uh, soldiers uh, for hire type guys. But a couple of the characters, actually, the guy who plays Captain America in all the Disney movies was... Uh, Marvel movies was uh, one of the characters. Hmm. So, I, I didn't watch that. I'm going to watch uh, that. But it was your classic kind of soldiers mm. and CIA tried to kill them okay, and, black, okay. and trick them. And, but they survived. Is that a recommendation or is that a... Uh, it's entertaining. Okay. It's, it's a little much. I mean, they had. It was kind of funny. They had some funny parts, like the Captain America actor, who's I forgot his name now. Um, oh, Chris, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Oh, Chris Evans. Yeah. Yeah, Chris yeah, Evans yeah, yeah. is obviously a very yeah buff kind of dude, and yeah, you know, apparently he had a niece. Um, he was in a little soccer team, eight year old, and has a little called oh, the yeah, Petunias. Yeah. I think he's walking this. around with his little pink shirt called the Petunias. Yeah, yeah. And I towards think the end, he actually was at the soccer game and got into a fight with yeah. the referee because of. You know, they, they, were, they were playing mean, another yeah. team that was much bigger girls, and they were getting bullied around. And yeah. he was complaining to her about, you know, how could so you not see that wreck. Huh? It's a partial wreck. It's a partial wreck. Yeah. Yes, yes. I can't so recommend. some laughs. It's yeah. okay. I would, have, I would recommend All-American, but it's, I've now realized that this third season is quite a commitment. So just, I'd say the first yeah, season. I might watch the first. The first now season, you got me intrigued. I might watch co- the first good season. Good cliche, some actors that are recognizable. It's not bad. Uh, I have one upgrade this week. Um and I, I've realized this now. It, it's it's this clothing brand called Vuori. Vuori. Yes, Vuori, okay. and it's it's an uh, it's like an athleisure brand. And so first I, I I saw people wearing it. Then I bought something on it. Then my wife bought me something on it. And then somebody else bought me something on it. And then I was like, how the hell did I get all this Vuori? And then I looked around. I saw like other people in my age demographic also have this brand. And then finally I figured out this damn thing's like all over Instagram. It's like, and it's like every time you're looking at your Instagram, it'll be like the fourth thing or fifth thing. And I was like, dude, there's so many people that own this brand. And it's good. Like it's good, expensive, you know, tracky pants and, you know, shorts you don't have to like, you can swim in or run in and whatever. But I was like, that is some powerful Instagram marketing. Because I, I know like at least like a dozen people that have bought this damn brand. <laughs> And it's See, just, now you got me well, interested. Now I'm going to go look at it. You're probably going to buy something. It's a little price. It's, it's just pricey enough, and it seems like it's just quality enough to make to justify it. Um, but I don't know, man. I just know a lot of people have bought this brand, and I'm now a part of that group. Um, but it's good. It's good stuff. 
I'll wear a shirt tomorrow. You can check it out. Okay, I'll check it out tomorrow. Uh, all right, that's it for me. You got an upgrade? Uh, you went no, to the gym? I went to gym. Well, the only thing I was going to talk about, if you're going to talk about clothes, I, I was surprised. I was reading about an article about, you know, casual wear and how part of the whole oh. Wall Street, you know, used to be, you know, in 1999, I guess, where they started all the casual Fridays. But even then, certain banks held out and had to wear suits. And I know pre-pandemic I remember suits, that now. Suits, That's suits so funny. were coming back. Yeah. And when I started out as a young lawyer, you know, I had the whole wardrobe, just the suits. The rise and, of the dockers. The suits and, and, and shirts and ties, and you just kind of mix around the, the ties and the shirts a little bit. And so, um, you know, but, but now people are coming back to try to entice people to move away from you know the hybrid yeah. work and and so um the, the casual work week not fridays anymore and even banks like goldman sachs you know used to be a taboo no jeans though you can't wear the jeans on the casual friday but now jeans are in and even the president of the fed um he's been wearing sneakers yeah and uh, sneakerhead he's, you he's said. a sneakerhead yeah and so he's john excited, williams right yeah, john williams new York fed, and he's trying to gonna bring in he's all excited about being able to express himself in his own little private passions about mm. sneakers and wear his own sneakers and the whole argument or, or mo thing is they're saying you know people wanting to express themselves being more individual will make them more comfortable and happier at work and happy workers happy uh, more productivity so we'll see it's interesting it's interesting well where we i remember that 20 years yeah. ago where well and, and also the shoes too floor shine shoes which yeah. I bought a few wingtips in my days. <laughs> they are uh, used to be, uh, uh, you know, only fifty percent was casual shoe yeah. wear, and the rest were all the business banker wear. And now it's eighty percent casual shoe footwear. If you go to those those sites, so you know, might might pick up some for for myself and our producer, <laughs> one of our assistant producers, Jason. <laughs> yeah, please do, shoes. please do get him some floor shines. That would be great. <laughs> All right, folks, this was a great episode. Thank you, everyone. Please do keep following us at Pod at Good Life HP or uh, on our Instagram or LinkedIn. We're always available. Happy to chat about um, any deals you may have, or if you're interested in finding out more about Good Life Housing Partners, we're always around. Uh, Bree, thank you. Jason, thank you. And Thomas, thank you for the first time. So, guys, good, good episode. Thank you, everyone. David, final last words. Thanks, everyone, and be safe. Get vaccinated, I guess. Yeah, get vaccinated, too. Probably good for you. <laughs>